0: Today's episode is sponsored by The Venture Project. The Venture Project is an affordable Art Deco inspired co-working space that offers shared office space, a professional recording studio, professional events, and expert mentorship in downtown Oshkosh. Go to the ventureprojectoshkosh.com to learn more. On to the show.
1: My wife and I've always joked though, our biggest hobbies are just working on our businesses. Cuz it's just what we like, I don't know, it's weird.
0: I'm David Kelso, and you're listening to APC Presents, where I showcase independent podcasters from Northeast Wisconsin. Today's guest is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron is an engineer, real estate investor, speaker, and with the recent addition to his family, a father. He recently founded the Venture Project, the co working space you just heard about, but what he does there is kind of interesting. So my favorite description of it in his own words is helping idea addicts recover. The whole purpose of the venture project is to help people bring their ideas to life from business plans to creative endeavors. Aaron has a podcast of his own, as you might've guessed, and he records in a studio space at the venture project where we recorded this very episode, switching up our regular style. We immediately get in the behind the scenes of Aaron's podcast and end with some more personal stories. I'm pleased to present Aaron Armstrong. Awesome, Aaron. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I'm really looking forward to uh, talking with you. uh, Such a bright mind and entrepreneur leader in the Fox Valley area and, uh, and very active within the APC as well. So I really appreciate you. And taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dave, for letting me jump in today. This is awesome. I'm really excited to really dig into some podcasting tips and tactics with you. I'm sure we'll get to that later, but this is a fun opportunity.
0: Yeah. And we're actually recording in your new studio here in Oshkosh.
1: That's right. The venture project. We have a studio here. And the idea is, you know, similar mission that, that you have with UPC is how do we get more podcasters in the doors, get them started. And we got a studio where
0: that's available to people. Yeah, it's so cool that we can uh, sort of collab on, on that and then get to use your, your uh, acoustically treated space as well. Which Wonderful. Is- very awesome. So let's kind of get to know you as a person. Sure. Uh, tell us your story. You said you grew up in Nina?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Nina. I was kind of a jock in high school. I ended up having an opportunity to play football for the United States Military Academy at West Point. Hoorah. Yeah, so that's what got me in the doors at the academy um, was the game. And I, I played for three years, had a knee injury, so I didn't play my senior year. When I got out, I graduated with a degree in systems engineering at West Point so I got out once served in the army uh with air defense artillery. We used Patriot missile systems. The big, you know, you see in North Korea uh, the 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 missiles going off over the the, the border. That was our responsibility to shoot those down. <laughs> so it was Thanks pretty for it, us safe. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, I didn't really do too much. Honestly, I was only in for probably 18 months and then my knee got me out of the the army. So I mm-hmm. had a medical an honorable discharge. Uh, it was a weird transition for me because I was like I was expecting to be in for five years at least, right. you know, and so here I am trying to figure out a new life and early on, and that was that was a big shock to the system. So I took a job with Oshkosh Defense uh, in systems engineering. They kind of gave me one of those salaries that you can't refuse at my age, and so I was I said sure, let's do this for a while and try it out. That opportunity was very entrepreneurial in nature because there was a contract and a capability that wasn't done yet. So it was kind of like you were given a a pot of money to stand up a new capability within an engineering discipline. And it taught me a lot of skills of of business acumen, I think. While I was doing that, I was investing in properties and real estate in the area, um, and I started to learn kind of the different tactics that go into that and how entrepreneurial those are as well. So I'm talking to my friends about these different real estate deals we were putting together, and how, and then we started Marissa's Fit Boutique. My wife, she started a fitness business and all this stuff started happening kind of within the last, the, the couple of years we were doing this and friends started reaching out to me and they were like, Hey bro, uh, how are you doing this? Like, what do you, you just started a business in your early twenties. That's kind of like not a thing a lot of people do. So I was explaining to them, yeah, you know, you call this guy, you do this, whatever. And eventually that I was on the phone probably three, four hours a night talking to Different entrepreneurs, like walking them through just like stuff that's simple. You can Google all this stuff for, for, you know, whatever. But it was just taking up a lot of time. So my wife's like, What if you like charged like a consulting fee or a coaching <laughs> fee? I'm like, How am I qualified to do that? <laughs> you know? And uh, before you know it, I was like, Let's, we'll mass broadcast just some tips and tactics. I'll reach out to people who are mentors to me, who are in my West Point network, uh, that have really impressive backgrounds, far more than anything I'll probably ever accomplish in my life. And we'll help them promote their book or like whatever they're working on or their company that they started. And I'll leverage that kind of bond that you have in the West Point Network to kind of pull in some of these people and then using the power of who, putting them all together. So I'll mass broadcast that on a podcast. And then the call to action on the podcast to monetize it will be uh, like a consult with me or a coaching with me. And that's kind of what I did. So 2018 rolled that out. Yeah, three years later, here we are.
0: <laughs> here we are. And it sounds like you wear a lot of hats and have throughout your entire career an athlete, a systems engineer, an entrepreneur, a leader, uh, and everything else in between. So how do you uh,
1: balance all that? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. Because with the venture project, you get a lot of bizarre, different business ideas. It's, I mean, it's kind of like Shark Tank where people come in with anything from I want to be an influencer to I have an invention idea to uh, I want to get into podcasting, social media, movies, whatever. I don't know. Is the, the commonality in all of that is there's an opportunity for the market to take a bite out of this potentially. So I think the, the common theme is kind of the concept and the marketing that goes into it is understanding who are you serving? How are you becoming valuable? So I focused a lot of my work on figuring out the answer to that question. How is this going to be valuable to people and how do we bring that into what you're doing? And it takes us a lot of different directions. And that's, I think the fun part is the variety and to balance all these different hats. It's just been a matter of, you know, I have modes, I guess that I turn on, you know, there's certain times that I have a very like kind of time of day that I do certain activities and I know myself, I know my system and it's about putting all those in the right place consistently Like I meet with people when I'm in a certain mood. I get X's and O's done or black and white thinking done and the creative things done. And I have different times of day that those work for me that I just know my circadian rhythms and things like that. And that's kind of how I've rolled out my
0: habits and systems. But Starts with knowing thyself. Exactly. Old philosopher whose name I can't remember (laughs) right now.
1: (laughs) Well, some people can relate to like exercise, right? So some people are not morning people. They can't work out in the morning. They're the afternoon people or the evening exercise or some people you gotta get like me I gotta get it done in the morning or it won't get done so it's kind of like that with everything there's certain times a day that work well like I kind of treat creative work is what I enjoy the most I treat that as kind of like dessert Like, you get, you get, like, when everything else gets done, now you can have your cupcakes. (laughs) You know, now you can do some of the creative work.
0: Your cheat hour of creativity. Right. Cause
1: you're always going to be able to, you can always eat a cupcake any time of day. It doesn't matter because they're delicious. So that's kind of the idea with creative. I can do that no matter how tired or fatigued I am because I enjoy it so
0: much. You would say that's your sort of favorite hat to wear is your creative hat, but you sort of know your limitations of when to put that on.
1: Right. Cause if you sit in creative too long, Nothing gets done. And I think a lot of people can relate to the starving artist kind of thing that happens because of that. You know, if you don't have a a tactical strategy, discipline, and some of the unfun pain points that have to happen before you're kind of given access to the chaos. It's like, you know, if you play an instrument, I play guitar, I know you play guitar. Learning guitar is, is very orderly it's very there's there's frets you have to learn notes you have to get your fingers to do things they don't want to do you have to memorize chords it's very hard and tedious to learn but then once you've gotten the basics and the intermediate down it becomes very free and exciting to play different things and the creativity comes out so it's almost the idea of having the order first allows you access to the creative
0: yeah I think sticking with your musical sort of uh, analogy there, like I cried the first time I picked up a guitar because I was just playing a G chord over and over again. And I think pretty sure my fingers were almost bleeding. And I was like, mom, I can't do this. And she was like, just give it another week. And like a week, month goes by and I was like, oh, I love doing this. And I was like, I'm sure I was inspired by the musicians that I was seeing on stage and hearing. And I was like, I want to be able to play music like that, the, those guys. And if I have to suffer to a little bit to get through it, then so be it it's the
1: delayed (laughs) gratification yeah And then the other thing is you start to hear the G chord. And at first it sounds all clunky, it's all muted, or your fingers are not in the right spot or whatever. And eventually you hear it. And then you hear that, how it mixes with a D and a C, and now you have this D, C, G progression. Now you're playing Sweet Home Alabama because it sounds familiar. Now you're playing Can't You See by Marshall Tucker Band because it sounds familiar. And now you're seeing progress happen. And the progress feeds your hunger to keep going. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that's kind of...
0: now. Let's flip it and relate that to the business world.
1: I think it's the exact same thing that can be applied in multiple disciplines. So it's like you can wear a different hat. Like you might say, how how does being a musician relate to health and how does health relate to being a business? People picture those as all different things, but it's the same thing we just talked about, the progress that goes into it. A lot of times, not that I recommend the best way of of getting in shape is to lose weight, but it's like you can see a number on the scale Mm -hmm. and you can see the progress the next day if it's a little bit less and a little bit less, which feeds your drive to stay consistent. If you can't see that progress, it makes it difficult that works with a business, if you can start to see progress, you can see a sales metric, you can see increases in revenue, you can see increases in the amount of reviews you see online, whatever those things are, it feeds the hunger to keep doing what you're doing and going in the right direction. So having not having those metrics or indicators makes it very difficult, I think, to figure out how you can grow. And that's what all these things have, I think, in common is that there's little indicators of progress. And progress and achievement, I think, feeds the beast.
0: The beast being your your business, your creative competition, your desire, ambition to get better, kind right. of a thing. Exactly. What would you say are those like key performance indicators for your, your podcast? Well, there's I think
1: one thing I like to look at is it's kind of, it's kind of a hard tangent. It's kind of a hard metric, but the feedback at a depth level. So for, I'll give you an example. There was a guy that reached out to me a couple weeks ago on LinkedIn. So a platform I'm not terribly um, involved in, but I have a following on LinkedIn, I guess. I just don't post a lot. And he reaches out and said, I'm from the UK. Your podcast really changed my life. And I was like, wow, it almost doesn't matter how many downloads or listens or whatever you get. If you have a couple people like that that reach out, that's, wow, I changed a life with a podcast. Like this idea I had three and a half years ago changed a life. Wow. That's, that's impactful. And every couple months I'll get a message like that. And that's usually what I would say is the progress indicator for me that wants me to keep it going, wants me to keep my content valuable. It's things like that 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 go more than just the listens and the the, 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 length of time that people listen, the retention, I guess you could say, or all these other indicators that are out there. So I guess it's a, it's an unusual thing that I look for, but that's what I figured out. That's my, my pound on the scale. That's my revenues. Like that's what I know feeds my hunger to keep going.
0: Did you think that that's what it was going to be when you first started? I don't think I thought it was going to be that. I hoped it would,
1: <laughs> okay. but I don't think I was, I never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. The people would reach out and say, you've changed my life. And like I said, every couple months I get, a, I get, I get a message like that in that level of depth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes it all worth it. Cause I mean, you, you could do a podcast for three or four years and get one of those. And that would be worth it because you changed a life. And this guy went into a story and it was incredible. I mean, he was, He was addicted to drugs. He didn't have a father figure in his life. He had no faith or spirituality of any kind. He was just kind of nihilistic lifestyle. And to reach out and say that my podcast was something that changed his way of thinking to find deeper purpose and meaning, to start rekindling relationships with his family, to start getting off of drugs, to start trying to to exercise achievement, to dig deep into his passions and grow was like, you know, it brings almost a tear to my eye. And that's, That is a metric that I think is is really beautiful to look at. So, what I would ask, you know, other people that are in the space or the podcasters is, what does that look like for you? how do How do you get? How do you know that you've really hit the value mark? Because you can get tons of downloads or views or whatever, but did you really hit your goal? So, me starting out, like, I don't know. I I hope this will help people, but I don't know if it would. I don't know if people want to listen to me talk. Yeah, I don't know, my wife doesn't like listening to me talk.
0: <laughs> <I> mean, <it's, laughs> well, she married you, so she I hope she does me. to some degree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> She's stuck with me, doesn't like to listening to me talk. But yeah, that, that's, that's I think, what I would look for.
0: It, it comes back to like not necessarily worrying about getting those downloads, especially at the beginning, but like how are you providing value to whoever's listening on the other end? Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, if you're, a, let's say you're a podcast that has some kind of sales call to action, you know, and you're all fixated on how many downloads or whatever you're getting, like, well, why don't you just look at how many sales you're getting by people that have said, yeah, I listened to your podcast and tuned in and I decided, uh, this you're good whatever, you know, what's your actual goal here? Because you could get five down, you can get five downloads a month and you get one sale. That's pretty sweet. You know, you're at 20%. That's version. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, great. <laughs> you know? And so it's like thinking like that, I think is like, what's your, what was your goal with the podcast? Was your goal to be an influencer? Okay. Well, if you're trying to be an influencer, how are you influencing what, 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 is your, what are you making them do that you think they're doing? Are you an activist? Are you a whatever? And figuring that out and finding those metrics of the result you want. I think people get too caught up in downloads and those things, which are good indicators, don't get me wrong, but it's just like how do you know that it's working is the question.
0: And that's something that every person needs to figure out and it sounds like you didn't get there right away. It took you a little No, bit I was
1: tough. all, you know, read all the what you do to start a podcast and how to get to be new and noteworthy and all those things that people tell you you need to do. And it's just like, well, you just got to keep doing what you're, what you're doing. And people say your lives were changed. It's just like, wow. Worth it. Worth it. Oh yeah. I mean, three years that you've been doing and it. Then it. Then it puts a lot of responsibility on you. You're like, yeah. wow, I really got to be careful with what I'm saying because people are taking this very seriously, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother idea and topic,
0: but <laughs> So of all the mediums that you could do this to influence, people say that video is the most likely to drive engagement, to get people to respond and things. Why did you choose the audio medium of podcasting?
1: Uh, I think a lot of reasons due to, underst- you know, you read a book about what business to start or what direction to go in with your life or whatever, and, and everything seems to come back to playing your strengths. I've got a a deep, you know, Barry White kind of voice and, and I was told I was a good speaker and I could talk about most things. So I thought podcasting would be a good forum to experiment with to market my services, I guess. In addition to that, there were some secondary consequences and benefits to podcast over video specifically. You know, if you're looking at me, David... I'm no I'm no one special. To look at I got a face for radio, right? Yeah, just, <laughs> I got this big beard, and it's just you know I'm a whatever. But the idea is that it, when, with podcasting you can multitask, right? You can you can read other things when you're podcasting. You can go for a run. You can exercise. You can drive in the car. It's a very dual purpose medium. That's not a like when you're in a video you're watching a video. When you're reading you're reading. When you have a podcast, you can listen to that anywhere. You can do that while you're working or whatever. So you have an opportunity to digest additional knowledge and information in a way that's never been possible before. So if I'm going to have a platform that I think is primarily educational as I'm interviewing experts and their kind of crafts, that that made a lot of sense as well. So I think between – and just my burning curiosity to learn about other people, it's exciting – I, you know, I've gotten feedback from friends, like they're always saying our conversations are so deep and crazy. And it's like, let's bring people along for those deep conversations,
0: those deep conversations. That's sort of what you want to talk about in your podcast, uh, winner's wallets and world's view. Can you just give us a little summary of what that podcast is all about?
1: Yeah. I named it uh, Winners, Wallets, and Worldviews because we have winners. I wanted to find people that had, had reached new levels in kind of their different industries or fields, whether it was professional athletics, whether it was business uh, leadership, these kind of different spaces that people have competed and overcome adversity and achieved. I talk wallets because as any entrepreneur or business owner or really individual, wealth is certainly a part of our way of living. And understanding how to build that, grow that strategically, whether it's small business, real estate, investment strategies, uh, entrepreneurship, whatever that happens to be. We wanted to bring in experts in those areas. And then worldviews, you know, something that's important to me is, is I have Christian faith, but I also have noticed there's a lot of unattra- there's there's a lot of people that don't find the christian world to be very attractive they find other mass marketed spirituality mediums much more attractive so i bring those people on and we discuss it you know i provide a little defense of my faith let them kind of articulate their view and uh, allow people to come along for that journey to see okay we have successful people we also have these different ideas that might drive them at the deeper levels what do we have in common what are some things that are still consistent with my view uh, what are some things I disagree with? And allow people to kind of experience that as well. So it, it opens the door to a wide range of topics and possibilities. But I, I'll, I call it business philosophy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> In a world that's like everyone gets offended at the tiniest thing, how do right. you have start those conversations with people that may have an opposite worldview of you?
1: It's, it's difficult. I mean, I'll give you an example. I had a guy on our podcast. He is a medium. So he, he communicates with the dead. And I'm a Christian. So if he does do this... That's not a a biblical thing. So I wanted and you know, I was quoting some Bible verses that that say things like, you know, if you speak with the spirits, if the spirits don't point you back to the Bible, don't point you back to Christ, well, then they're misleading you and they're demonic, right? So I'd ask him stuff like that. I'm like, okay, well, if you're talking to these people, is he's like, well, all religions, you know, are good and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, well, that's clearly not the conversation I want to have, but it's very different, you know, having those religious conversations on your podcast. You want to be respectful of the guests, but you also want to have some friendly debate and discussion. So I think navigating it with respect, but you always get hate from people no matter what, you you know, you get bad reviews or people don't like what you said. (laughs) And uh, you just eventually, like at first year, really, ah, this sucks. And it kind of ruins you. And then eventually you just kind of laugh it off.
0: Shrug it off and move on to the next next, yeah, just, next person. It's
1: just war, you know. It's just they don't they don't really want to kill you. They're just they're just anonymous people on Twitter or YouTube just throwing grenades.
0: Frustrated by that one thing, <laughs> and then they scroll past it and never think of it again. Right?
1: Exactly. <laughs> like they're not spending any time of day thinking about it. Why would you? So it's just kind of like you want to be proportional in your and your energy you dedicate to
0: yeah. nastiness. And I think that's where the podcast medium works well because it is just like having a phone call conversation with someone, and it's less of I'm crafting this best response possible that'll crush your worldview. Right. It's like, hey, I'm we're here to talk for more than just five seconds on the street or something. I want to hear what you believe. I want to be able to have the chance to share what I believe as well.
1: Right, and, what, and it gives you an opportunity to defend your position and also allow them to almost reduce sometimes in a lot of cases i'll just ask enough questions to really highlight how unclear they are with what they really think mm. and that's just enough to show people like okay they showed a point of weakness in their worldview they must not be that convinced of it and things like that you know i think uh, it's called reduced to absurdity I just asking enough questions to where it sounds preposterous and yeah. like, okay well yeah, i did my job so <laughs> next topic right
0: <laughs> <laughs> you ask me now good luck So you have a ton of variety of different guests then from a medium to entrepreneurs that are crushing the game in the tech world right now. How do you decide who to interview on your show?
1: So a lot of things I'll look for in a guest is, is this something that I'm personally really interested in or unfamiliar with? Because I think in order to be a, a good host, there has to be a natural organic level of curiosity and I usually look for things like that. Is, is this a topic that I'm very interested in? I try to vet topics like, I don't know, a few months back, I was unclear on topics of like Facebook ads. So I tried to find some experts that have used that. And I asked them all the same questions I have because you get, you can Google enough stuff, but if you don't know what to ask, or sometimes they'll, they'll just bring up a, a little nugget and then you can dig into that nugget and that just opens the door to all the real answers. So things like that, what I'm really personally interested in and then people, it's almost like a a karate belt system where people can start out when I was a novice of certain topics and then they can follow my understanding of them further and they kind of get an education along with me. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I'm just the guy asking the questions. And there, if you listen to all the episodes, you're kind of on the same level of understanding of the world that I'm on, you know?
0: That brings up a good point of, you didn't feel like you were an expert when you started. And you, you said that earlier, like how did you get over that hump of, oh, let's just bring along people for my journey of understanding that you didn't have to be the expert of all expert, know everything in the world to be a podcast host. That was, I don't know,
1: like especially when you're trying to market yourself as a as a coach or a consultant, you want to be able to answer all the questions. So that's tough, but I think people recognize the humility and part of being a coach or a consultant is asking the right questions to the person to be able to understand. And and I don't know if that makes sense like I'm always impressed with people that can ask very few questions and get immediately to the problem very quickly. I think that's really impressive when people can do that. And it's almost more impressive than people that already knew everything. So I I started to try to learn how to do this with podcasting because, and then eventually people listen to me ask questions like, wow, he asked me some of these questions. Like he'd know everything there is to know about my situation. They'd feel like I really understand their situation. Then we'd be able to truly problem solve through it. And I think that was a, a reassuring way of saying like, I might not know the answers, but I'm damn well sure I will be able to problem solve and improvise through this just based on my way of thinking. And that's kind of what I based a lot of the initial episodes off of was like, this is my way of thinking here, listen to this conversation here. Here's how we go through it. And then you learn stuff and then you can always become an expert later on as you've started to learn stuff. Right.
0: You had to have some level of perseverance in in all of that. I think I just saw a stat, I think like two days ago that said only 44% of podcasts make it past three episodes. Wow. (laughs) And you're like (laughs) almost 150. So where did that mindset from you to keep persevering come from? Well, I knew
1: I was going to commit at least a year to it, which didn't seem like that much because when I first started the podcast, it was, or when I was thinking of starting the podcast, I was like, I'm going to commit at least a year to it. Then I think it was February. I launched the podcast in March. I went to a conference at Grant Cardone's 10X conference. So he's Grant Cardone, big real estate personality guy. And he had a, a, one of the speakers was Lewis Howes, who has the podcast School of Greatness, very popular podcast in a similar space that I'm in. So I saw them. They had it was after he got off the stage or whatever and had sushi at the same restaurant <laughs> that we were at. And I see him over there. So I was like, how am I going to get a conversation with this guy? So I said, OK, let's put value first. I'll buy him. I'll buy the whole table dinner. So I, I paid for the dinner and I was and then the waiter comes back. He's like, hey, how much did you spend? He's like, are you sure you want to buy their table dinner? I'm like, oh crap, how much does it? He's like, $690. I was like, you know what? I got to have this conversation. So I, I said, well, we'll get twice the points, put it on the card. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and, yes, sir. And then, and then uh, Lewis House came over after, thanked us, was really gracious. And I asked him that question. I said, you know, building a podcast like you've done and- I didn't say this, but for someone that really didn't have that impressive a background, you know, he was kind of a middle class guy, just never, there wasn't really a huge, crazy problem he ever overcame. How do you do it? And he said, it's really about having consistency. He's like, nobody will do it for three to four years. So I tell people, don't even start a podcast if you're not going to do it for three to four years. So that became the new target. It was like, how do I do this for three to four years and consistently put out content? And uh, I've taken breaks, but it's just like, I don't know, like I'm trying, I'm in this Bible reading challenge cover to cover. And they said, look, you're going to try to do it in a year. If you take a break, a lot of people just put it back on the shelf and they never finish the Bible cover to cover. But if you just, after your break, just bookmark it and just pick up where you left off. And then eventually over maybe a couple of years, you finish it. And that was kind of the new mentality. So if I take a break, like I took a two month break when we did the buncher project here, just pick back up, like just get back into it and just keep going with it. Like it's okay to like take a breather. It's okay to take a sabbatical. It's just coming back from the sabbatical. Like it's very important. And that's, I guess the mindset I've had with it.
0: Yeah. Do you have any tips for a podcaster that may want to take a break? Because there's certainly going to be some level of, of the audience is going to miss you. How do you sort of fill that gap or how do you prepare your listener for you being gone for that little bit?
1: I think it's, if there's like a natural break, it makes a lot of sense. So what I did in this last break that I just went through was over the holidays. Uh, You know, so it just made sense. Like it was right after Christmas. And then I took January, February, and then I came back and and kind of explained to everyone, yeah, we're working on the venture project, new studio. And everyone's like, oh, okay, I see what's going on. And the downloads pretty much picked right back up, you know. And and there were downloads obviously happening. When you have 150 episodes, people will download all those episodes now. So you'll see a huge increase in them. And it was kind of cool. And in a lot of ways it was beneficial too because people would – they wouldn't be looking for new episodes. They just go back to the old ones, which is kind of cool because some of those are, have a lot of value that you don't always look for. So,
0: yeah, because so they may have hopped on at episode 130, and then they caught up, and you have that break, and he gives them time to go back and listen to those hundred that they right. missed exactly. Welcome to the podcast. Fast Class Lesson 7 was Branding Elements. Lesson 8, we're talking about distribution and trailers. In order to get your show on the listening platforms you need an RSS feed. And the hosting service is what does that for you. It gives you a user-friendly interface for combining all your audio, cover art, and text information, and then spits out a link to your RSS feed. Now, this feed is important. It's an agnostic way to get your show out to so many different listening platforms while still keeping ownership in your hands. But that hosting service, there's millions of them out there, ranging from $0 to $100. I personally love Captain. But I know Podbean is a really great one for starting out. So let's say you've picked your host and you've got your RSS feed. Next you have to submit it to the listening platforms. I'd aim for the big four right now: Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. Submitting a show is not instantaneous though. There is a review period once you've done so, ranging from one to fourteen days to avoid getting approved after your marketed launch date. I suggest publishing a trailer two to three weeks ahead of when you plan to launch your first episode. The trailer should be short and sweet and really just give a summary of the show. So what distribution platform are you looking at? For some help deciding and to watch the Lower, more detailed video version of this go to the apc members facebook group link in the notes back to the show
1: mine's not time-based it's not like i talk about current events or politics it's they're relevant really all the way back to episode one so that's what's the benefit of that style of podcasting yes
0: having that evergreen content the
1: disadvantage is coming up with new ideas What you get with current events and politics and stuff and sports, you always have something new going on.
0: You said that there was a that that came from a level of curiosity within yourself. How do you keep being curious then to come up with those ideas? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, I think everybody's growing all the time. And whatever phase of life you're going through, there's topics that are interesting and there's things you want to learn in that period of time. And if you don't have like a curiosity to learn or anything like that, well, that's I think more of a character issue and not a character issue. That's maybe a strong word, but I think that having an investigative curious personality is a good characteristic to have in someone that has a drive to be successful. I think it's virtually impossible to be successful if you just don't, if you have apathy towards what, towards knowledge, right? I mean, I think that's easy to argue that Mm -hmm. if you don't have a lot of curiosity or a lot of drive to increase your amount of knowledge, skills or attributes, it's pretty unlikely that you're going to, be successful long-term. Well, so I say that. And so there's this burning curiosity. And then in every phase of life, you have new questions. So like my questions when I was 20 in my early twenties, was like how to get rich and do it all. Right. And now my questions are much different. I got a baby on the way in May. So now I'm thinking I'm going through this whole like experiment of thought experiment with like, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a father? What does it mean to raise a boy? Because I'm having a boy. What does it mean? Like, what does the future of men look like? What does masculinity look like? And it still relates to this worldviews topic because it's certainly something that's interesting. And a lot of like driven alpha personalities have a lot of these characteristics in the winner's column. So it's kind of like a blend and it just kind of tailors my curiosity now. So now I'm starting to bring in different guests that are more in the masculine uh, understanding space.
0: I love that the podcast space can allow for that to, like, just follow your curiosity. One, let me backtrack. Congratulations on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Two, you would say that you've grown then because of your podcast. What do you think is the biggest way that you've grown since starting your podcast?
1: Oh, 100%. The the most I've grown, I would say, in my, my spiritual maturity. Mm-hmm. So I went through lots of different phases, and I've also f- taken interest in this on my show, but, like you know, early on, it was, it was unattractive to me. Like I said, the, the preaching, I I grew up a Christian. It didn't really make sense to me for a while. So I kind of went into this like more Christian agnostic space. And then I moved into this whole like new age kind of thing that I just was like, this doesn't make sense, but I want it to make sense, but it never really did quite. So some of the earlier episodes have some of that weird stuff in it. And it's interesting to listen to it as you keep going, because you kind of see my faith journey and how I became a much more outspoken Christian throughout that. So I think that's a really interesting growth period that you started to see. And then also my behavior, the way I I portrayed myself, I think on social media, even on my podcast, the arrogance that I had early on versus today, it's just a lot different. So I think that's a really... That's uh, the most obvious transition I've seen from a growth perspective.
0: Would you say that was because of all the conversations that you were having that were allowing you to process sort of your own identity there? And
1: then you also have the the conversations, you start to just become the people that you interview in a lot of ways. You start to see the characteristics I like and you start to associate with them. They start to become friends and mentors. Mm -hmm that you have their personal contact information to. So the networking side of podcasting is unreal, especially you get two extroverts in a room. They're talking to each other for a while or over Zoom, and it's awkward at first, and eventually they're like, you know what, we've got this thing now. This is fun. They're all pumped up. Yeah. And, and now you got a, Now you got a great contact or a business contact.
0: What interview would you say was the most challenging for you?
1: Um, I did. I just, I'm going to be releasing this one very shortly. I just did an interview in October with uh, General David Petraeus, who was the former director of the CIA. He was a four-star general and had a lot of uh, controversy in 2015. And I, I got a chance to interview him because I was speaking at a conference and I was helping the promoter of the conference get guests. So I just reached out to him and he's like, sure, we'll do it. And I said, "I'll in order to n- negotiate the fee down, I said, I'll put you on my podcast and we'll be able to market some of your stuff on my podcast. So we knocked his fee down. And so, well, anyway, so I interviewed him and that was, A difficult interview because as somebody that you saw who, like, he led the surge in Iraq and as as an Army veteran, it's just like he's kind of a hero, like he's a legend. And then he had some controversy that I think led to some of his downfall. But coming up with questions for him and then having the confidence to be able to rock it, I mean— like, I opened up with saying something. He's like, hey, yeah, this is the only interview stopping me from between a, me and a date with a Peloton bike or something. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, so I'm the only one standing between you and your hard body or whatever. And everyone's picking, <laughs> p- picturing the 60-year-old man with his shirt off, you know. And, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, so like, and then it's a room of all, like, former veterans, and they're just, like, stoic, no laughs, like nothing. But he laughed, and I'm like, oh, we loosen him up. And it's just, you know, having... Being able to be confident enough to make a joke, being having some personality to it, with someone of, of high status like that, at least to me, was was a challenge. And there's now it's it's kind of getting to the point now where it's like I'll talk to anybody. I don't really care if they're the president or whatever. I don't, you know, it's just you get you just eventually get this confidence where it's like we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna show value for people.
0: What's that prep look like, especially for a conversation like that? When you do know that there's there's controversy. There's just a ton of history and background and they're a public figure. How do you approach an interview like that?
1: So um, most of my interviews, I actually try to be completely raw because I want to, like I said, I, I favor what I'm curious about. And I find that my listeners value what I'm curious about more than something that's scripted or researched too heavily. So that's how I do most of my interviews is just kind of ask a little bit about their story. If there's something in their story that's thought-provoking, I try to dig into that. If there is a tactic or a business or something unusual or unique, I try to dig into that. And I do it almost completely improvisational. With General Petraeus, because there was some controversy, I think his PR people wanted to make sure they had... Kind of scripted questions. So then I just went to my thought process of how I normally ask questions and went through those and laid them out ahead of time. And he really enjoyed them. And it kind of was, you wouldn't really be able to tell that I had questions, by the way, that I kind of prepped for it. But he's obviously understanding a little bit about their background and their realm of expertise because you want them to be in their sweet spot when they're in the interview because that's going to deliver the most value to your audience. And I tend to be mostly friendly with almost all my guests. They're not, I don't try to debate them. I just, sometimes we, we get into some little debates, but it's mostly very jovial and friendly, but I, I want to make sure that whatever I'm, I'm pulling the best out of them. So I want to know what is the best, what's their best stuff. And let's, let's give them the highlights.
0: How did you learn that skill to do it on the fly?
1: I think it comes back to having curiosity like that's authentic Because even when I was interviewing General Petraeus, I remember one of my buddies was like, dude, that was such a skill. You asked some really good follow-up questions because you got – and then I I usually try to repeat back to them in in my own words what they said to make them feel like it was – just to re-summarize. So number one, you understand what they just said, so you understand it, and then you can dig into the next level. So being able to like really listen, and if you're interested in what they're saying, you'll retain it. You'll be able to summarize it, and then you'll be able to dig into interesting follow ups because it's like, ah, oh, well, well, how does that work exactly? Yeah. If you're not really listening, you just kind of sit there like, okay, um, next question. Mm-hmm. We're like, but if you're really interested, you're like, wait, wait, wait. wait you said Hold blo- up. <laughs> what did blockchain? Like, w- w- what do you mean by that? That's really interesting. Yeah. So they like mine it and. and and you get to actually open up the same questions everybody else has. So everybody else's understanding will come and follow along with you. I mean, like if you listen to a podcast, like uh, it's like a, a couple famous ones, maybe like Joe Rogan, he does a pretty good job of, of doing the, the follow in uh, Tim Ferriss does a pretty good job of it. So if you listen to those two podcasts, their interview style, I think is very similar. Tim Ferriss has more like quirky off questions to try to open people up. But Joe Rogan does a very natural way of digging, I think, that you, that you can kind of observe.
0: Sort of like latching on to a few things yeah. here and there. And then
1: from... and then you see how far down you can get with it. And then if it becomes uninteresting to me, then I'll usually change topic.
0: You mentioned authenticity. To me, authenticity is kind of, one, it's a buzzword and it's sort of paradoxical in nature because I feel like as soon as you identify, I want to be authentic. loses some of the authenticity (laughs) to it. So how do you bring that to the table with thinking about it without thinking about it? Yeah, I I think it's about not thinking about
1: who you want to be, but just being who you are. Mm -hmm. It's easy for someone that's been coached a little bit you get this kind of politician side of you. That's oh, I'm on the mic now. I need to be like this and say the right things and do this and that. And it becomes very inauthentic really quickly because you turn on a. I'm now. I'm watching my words and I'm very careful with what I say. Enunciating
0: every single thing. <laughs>
1: right. You get in like modes, yeah. right? And that's and that's I think uh, the first step to starting to become inauthentic is now you're you're putting on a character. Where if you can just be yourself and think through a problem out loud and allow the the listeners to kind of come along with that journey of thinking, it's very interesting. And then they get to see how you came up with it. The downside to that is it can expose you to risk, things you don't necessarily believe per se. But because you're thinking out loud as you're speaking, it, it opens the door to your thoughts which is a problem because if you're writing, you think about it for a while, you structure the piece in a certain way that's very clear. So doing that speaking improvisationally is very difficult. So it takes some time, I think, to gather your thoughts collectively and put them in a coherent structure that's still what you're trying to communicate because the things that get in there you might not actually agree with, things you're actually saying.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what I love about the podcasting space is that it makes space to have those thoughts, and it's not video where they're like, "We got limited time, we got a roll, and you, right, you, whatever you out. say better be the right thing to say; otherwise, it's going in. Sorry, we no retakes." Video, especially when people get a camera on them, they something changes in their head and within with podcasting it's just like oh there's just this thing in front of me and i'm just talking to you
1: <laughs> right right yeah it definitely takes it off where there's the audience is, is further away from you than it is with the video for whatever reason and i think that's so that you definitely have a different personality but you know one that's what makes you that's what makes you you and that's what makes you unique and that's what makes the podcast fun is that it's it's raw that it's a little bit unscripted that there are goof ups that there are things that make it you you understand, you get to know this person. And especially if like a service like mine where I'm marketing, coaching and consulting, where someone's going to work with me, they get to understand very quickly if they could work with me or not based on how I act. And it's great because I don't really have to do any of the vetting or the awkwardness that goes into that. It's just, Oh, this person's like, yeah, I'll get along with him or I won't based on his podcast. (laughs) So it's kind of like, okay, great. It's like a pre vetting of, of clients for
0: me. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, if we feel like we know you already? Right. Kind of a thing. Right. Exactly. You've made your content. You've got your episode. You've got all the little bits and bobs. Is it only Facebook that you push it out there and then say, oh, that's there. What do you do after that? How do you get more eyes on it?
1: So what I'll usually do is if I, I try to see, I call this jujitsu. It's like, what's the motive of my guest? So if they're trying to push a book or a new product or get their name out there, I usually ask them to share it on their platforms and then I try to share it with my audience so that they are more interested in sharing so that like the shares get around and that seems to do really well. And believe it or not, even some of my lower profile guests sometimes get more downloads because they were just excited that they were on a podcast and they share it with the entire universe and everyone thinks that's so cool that they were on a podcast and they all listen to those episodes and I get leads from that sometimes. So it's like, and and it's not that they're like they're not really public figures, but they might be experts. Like for example, I had a real estate expert on, not a public figure, but he shared it with everybody on his in his investor network because he does syndication deals and pulls investors together. That was awesome. Great. Yep. So everybody listened to it, listen to my podcast, and now I have, you know, m millionaires and plus listening to this episode that I interviewed him on. It was just like things like that that you don't think about. But finding out what's the motive of the guest and being okay having lower profile people that you think will be a big fan.
0: Yeah, because they still have audiences of their own and friends and family that may be interested in just them, but that maybe they'll only be interested in you at that point too. So it really is an organic sort of, you like to stick to the organic and really have that authentic kind of, I'm excited about this. Not, Not any like Facebook ads or anything like that.
1: No, I've never really done Facebook ads. Obviously having your hosting service that pushes it out to as many of the Listener opportunities as as possible.
0: what What advice would you give to someone who wanted to start a podcast? Just sort of broad scoped if there was one thing that you, one piece of advice that you could give someone?
1: I think the biggest piece of advice is to find something that will hold your interest long enough to be consistent. So picking topics like I said that you're genuinely interested in. if If you're not interested in business or education or x, y, and Z, there's uh, millions of different topics that probably you are interested in. Uh, like a friend of mine who sits right here, Dan, was really into sports. And he was into sports comedy. So it's like he wanted to have a podcast on sports comedy that holds your interest long enough to where you can go three, four, five, a decade, whatever. You This is never ending. Uh, so finding those types of things. If you're really into politics, if you're an activist of any side of the aisle, there's definitely a place for you in podcasts. There's If you're into religion, if you're into you know, fiction, like, I mean, you've opened me up to this whole idea of audio dramas and and things that I didn't even know about. So that opens the door to any fiction genre that you're interested in dragons, dungeons, Dracula, I don't care. You know, just like, I mean, so it's kind of just understanding what's going to hold your interest long enough to where you think you're going to still be able to be motivated to put out content.
0: Yeah. Identifying that thing that you're most passionate about, most curious about, as we sort of said earlier. Is there anything else you want to add about podcasting? Otherwise, I think I'll go back and just spend five minutes to talk about some of your other hobbies, I'll talk about music a little bit. Sure. No, I'm good. We can jump to the okay, next one. Because cool. yeah. uh, I think we covered a lot in the podcasting, and I don't want to yeah, <laughs> overwhelm. That. that was really good. So you said you play guitar. Yeah. What kind of guitar do you have? I've got
1: a couple of guitars. So I've got a... Uh, my fa- my favorite is probably my Fender Stratocaster, American Strat. I've got a Gibson Les Paul. I've got... Um,
0: Oh, so that, that question of Fender or Les Paul is just why not both?
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I think. They're, they're two different styles, and like I think you need a different. You need the sound for what you're going for. So you gotta have both in your collection. I just be a believer in that. I've got an Epiphone acoustic, which is a cheap acoustic, but I uh, only play acoustic for campfires and you know homeless people really. Wonderwall. Wonderwall, yeah, you never know, when you're gonna get that good party. <laughs> Except one time at church, the power went out, so we had to go get our acoustics. I'm like, dang, I would have had a better acoustic if I knew I was ever gonna play this in church. <laughs> um, yeah, I got another Yamaha acoustic, and then I also have an Epiphone by Gibson hollow body that's really nice. It's Very basically nice. like a it's a it's a humbucker pickup on it. I don't know. How, crazy we want to get with it but <laughs> it's got a nice beefy tone Ooh. and it's the yeah. before epiphone it was when, when epiphone and gibson were like kind of both one before it was chinese made so it's basically an american-made epiphone so it's pretty close oh, to nice. a, a gibson That's sound
0: a really solid brand there what kind of music do you like to play mostly
1: i like to play like kind of dirty blues so okay. like uh, maybe maybe stevie ray vaughn style Uh, Jimi Hendrix Kind of that like Really dirty Off note sound Mm -hmm. Fuzzies
0: Those most iconic Sort of guitars Yes Yeah those are my favorite
1: That's my favorite to play If I'm just noodling Um, And then obviously The only serious music I usually play Is like with our Worship band at church
0: (laughs) You ever try and insert a little bit of a, like a blues lick or something into a worship song? Yeah,
1: there was, you know, this, have you heard the song King of My Heart? Yeah, you know? and, by John uh, Mark. And there's, so there's like, there was this little solo at the end of it. And when I was listening to that on a track, I was busy. I'm like, I don't know, there's a solo in here. And I just freaking dug into it in rehearsal <laughs> and just like, just face melted the room. And everyone just looks over at me, like looks at, and then the worship pastor just like, yeah, don't do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not the kind of experience we're going for.
1: <laughs> and then our engineer in the back, he was like a big rocker. He's like, I liked it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's wonderful. <laughs> Modern worship music is really usually re- reverby and sort of... Right, their, all the delays. Yeah. And you're going to have dotted eighth and a whole bunch of chorus and a nice big reverb on it.
1: And fill the room up, and have a little chime. Like, I, I, I want to bring my Les Paul in sometimes for certain songs, yeah. but... Usually, I, my worship pastor talks me out of it. Just stick with a strat. Stick with the strat. That's <laughs> perfect for this. I'm like, yeah, and you know, just
0: a really chill voice. Stick with the strat. Stick with the strat, bro. It's really nice. <laughs> but. The, how did you get into music originally, Spain? You've got so many, as we said earlier, so many hats that you put on. What was, how was, how did music fit into that? I liked
1: listening to classic rock when I was in like middle school, okay. and obviously, the genre of classic rock is very heavy on guitar. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to learn guitar. This would be sweet. Like, I'm sick of playing air guitar. So I, I asked my grandma, who was like, my grandma was very, like, polished academic. Yes. And I was like, I want to learn, like, an instrument. She's like, what? And I'm like, guitar. She's like, great. She talks to my dad. my dad's just like, what? Well, so you're going to be, like, a pothead and grow your hair out and all this <laughs> stuff? I'm, I'm like, no, I just want to play good music. And uh, so eventually my grandma, she was a guidance counselor. She like sits us both down. She's like, is it okay if AJ gets a guitar for Christmas and then my dad's like yeah i was just joking <laughs> so anyway i learned guitar and it was just like the same thing it's just you know one one foot in front of the other stay focused on it and by the time i was a freshman i started to learn a little lead and then when i was like a sophomore we had a little band and it was just terrible <laughs> <laughs> but it was a band <laughs> but it was a band and then i and that's all i could do at west point for fun was just sit there and noodle on my strat so i got pretty good at west point and then yeah i don't know Then i only knew dirty blues and then I was like, you know, just God put this calling on my heart. He's like, you should really reach out to the worship pastor. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know worship music. Just reach out to him. So I did. They were starving for guitar players. I go in there, and I start playing Dirty Blue stuff. He's like, okay, (laughs) you're a good player. We'll have to work with you to get some worship stuff figured out. So I spent $1,500 to get all my pedals in order and everything to go because, I mean, all these delays. He's like a sound engineer, so he's really particular. And then before you know it, I'm playing in the – the the band so it. every sunday no we we have probably four electric players oh nice you so i get a week i get i off. get a couple weeks off yeah Very it's nice. once or twice a month usually
0: are nice. there any other hobbies that sort of help you fuel your relaxation muscles so you don't burn out Ooh. or is it just music i like traveling traveling
1: okay i like traveling but i can only do it for so long if it's not business related oh really so yeah i can probably i can make it about a week
0: and then you just start. Your brain goes back to what? I wonder how my business is doing. I wonder. Yeah,
1: or or how do I monetize what I'm doing here? I don't know. It's just like I can't. Uh, <laughs> uh, my I'm wife actually. A pina
0: colada. How can I make money? It's like, hey, <laughs> what if we
1: started a tiki bar down here? Like, let's buy a couple condos and rent them. You know, just <laughs> eventually you're just sitting there like, okay, I gotta go back to
0: work. I know how to hire a property manager. I can do that here, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's actually one of my goals this year is to get a vacation rental. Oh yeah, and so I got that on the list. But I love travel. My wife, my wife and I have always joked though, our biggest hobbies are just working on our businesses because <laughs> it's just what we like i don't know it's weird
0: yeah. this is an entrepreneurial mindset you like actually enjoy the work you do and you're not necessarily just in it to make a living
1: <laughs> right like look at like the venture project it's part of my job is creating a social atmosphere for my co-workers you know the, the, right. the members so like just being myself and having fun is part of the job so i mean talk about a win-win right it's like yeah well we want to introduce people and hey you need a drink
0: you know just <laughs> that's my job yeah okay. my wife and i walked in here and you're like hey coffee whiskey what do you need <laughs> yeah right right
1: this is i don't know it's just a habit at this point yeah some people drink whiskey at noon that's okay it's venture project there's no rules here you yeah.
0: <laughs> know. You get to be that hospitable business leader and like hey whatever you want let's talk about it and we get it done
1: that's how i like those personality tests you take yeah. in like corporate or whatever and they're always like I always worked in engineering so it's always like boring analytical engineers or everything and then mine was like the the party planner guy and that everyone's (laughs) looking at me like well what value are you here and I'm always like yeah I don't know like I don't know how this engineering
0: (laughs) thing happened (laughs) <laughs> oh, man. I'm
1: like the party personality, like the Van Wilder, just school for seven years. But
0: yeah. yeah. Is, do you still have that technical processes brain as well? Or is that you just take that to like, let's be, let's part, start a party. <laughs> well,
1: that's kind of like, honestly, when I decided to be a systems engineer, why I decided that. Because yeah. I was good at English and literature and like all the creative stuff. And I was terrible at math. So I was like, I want to like balance myself out. So I ended up getting into it and I just figured out, oh, it's just, it's, math is kind of creative in a lot of ways. And I was just curious. I liked all subjects in school. I never really had a favorite. So I just started to enjoy it and I decided to do it to round myself out because I'm like, well, if I just become English, then I'll just like be good at what I'm already good at. Right. Why don't I do something I'm bad at and then get good at it? I don't know. It was my thought process at the time and it seemed to do okay.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. And now you're here and you, I saw that you're finished. Did you finish your MBA?
1: May and get done with that. That's actually, How's I walk the day my babies do. So oh, really, we'll see how that day goes. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> can they postpone the walk? <laughs> yeah.
1: Mercy, just hold that baby in there for a couple oh, hours. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Whichever one can, yeah. you can postpone. <laughs> we'll try and I'll try and coordinate that schedule. Well, Aaron, I really appreciate you giving me this hour to sort of talk through everything. Now's your chance. Give a plug for The Venture Project.
1: Well, I want to specifically invite your listeners to come check it out. We got a studio here at The Venture Project with sound-treated acoustic walls. We can kind of bring in the level of production as needed. If you want to do the big guns, we got you in the network, you know, a bunch of other people that can do some high-end stuff. And we also got plenty of mics and some some more of the entry-level gear as well just to get started. Like I said, it's about consistency. Like, how do we just get you going as quickly as possible? If you don't have a budget, don't worry about it. We'll take care of you. So there's that option. But what the venture project is at a larger level is a co-working space and a business incubator. So we have a shared office space where people can rent. They get access to the amenities like the podcast studio, the conference room, the event space. They can rent out offices. They can rent out cubicles. Or they can go to our event cafe, hang out, lounge, and squat at different price points. So we, we offer incubator services as well. We encourage people with crazy ideas to come in the door and pitch them to us and figure out ways where we can help you out. We can help you in various different ways. We can even partner with you. We can help you design it. We can help you with strategy, business, anything. Like, we want to work and figure out a way to get this off the ground. Because I didn't have that. When I I pitched my super middle-class family business ideas, (laughs) and they said, shut up and work on your job. And I was like, well, we can help you figure it out here. And so we encourage ideas of all kinds. Like I told you, we had a guy... That just came in with an invention idea for an ice shanty and it was just like kinda cool. I brought in the engineers and we talked about it. Yeah. You know, anything. And I, I'm I say that because it's the business world, everything is a business and that's what everything has in common. And there's a way to figure out how to make this idea valuable. And I encourage you guys to have a conversation, come the Venture Project, check us out. We're at two ten North Main Street, downtown Oshkosh, Wisconsin.
0: Awesome. Aaron, it has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, my man.
1: This is so much fun, brother. We gotta do this more
0: what a great conversation i particularly liked hearing about the curiosity driven mindset and candid honesty aaron brings to his shows i really hope that inspires you to do the same with yours i'm happy to report aaron's new baby boy and mba are both healthy and accounted for if you'd like to snag a tour of the venture project podcast studio in oshkosh contact aaron armstrong on instagram or at the ventureprojectoshkosh.com as always links in the notes and if you've got the curiosity, but you need some technical help, head on over to theappletonpodcast.com for community support, resources, and the chance to win some free gear just for starting your own podcast. If you know someone in Northeast Wisconsin who wants to start a podcast, share this show with them. And if you made it this far, please rate and review the show on Podchaser or start a business of your own, grow said business, and have your review of the show printed on your letterhead for every external communication just an option i'm david kelso your neighborly podcast nerd and thanks for listening that's one of the reasons why i moved away from libsyn when i initially started libsyn was one of the very first ones and i moved to captivate oh, yeah. actually yeah, there's
1: it's definitely like-, like an early 2000s kind of <laughs> not quite green and black screen but <laughs>
0: yeah, it, yeah you can you can tell there's like a lot more gradients and just weird how everything's laid out but anyways